It's right up my street, my boulevard. It's right up my straza. Oh my God, it's garden right up there. Oh, it's right up my podcast. Welcome to Write Up My Podcast. I am Gwen Watson. And I'm Kate White. And this is the podcast in which we talk to inspiring people about the proactive ways... That they have to make you feel good. Although, in fact, this episode is slightly different because we're talking to um, a super inspiring bloke about the ways that he makes other people feel good. Yes, we are. And this episode, we are talking to Math Potts, who has founded a charity called Camarados. And the idea behind the charity is to, well, it's basically a mutual aid charity with the idea is to help people who are not necessarily friends, but to self-organise and support each other through tough times. And um, we'll go on and talk about this later. Later, but Math has got an incredible background of experience as well that's led him to this point. But it's it's a very interesting conversation, a very interesting concept. He is an awesome, awesome bloke. And I think if more people were like Math in the world, what no. a place to be. I know. And could I just say he also plays a little bit of piano it, for us, so that's coming up in a bit. He's actually, he just threw at the end of our chat, didn't he? He was like, oh yeah, I'm also a, uh, a really successful, my word's not his, jazz pianist. Yeah. So I was like, okay, great. <laughs> Truly multi-talented. Playing at the uh, Conduit Club that night. Uh, just... Um, <laughs> His, I happen to have a piano in front of me. I know. We didn't make the most of that. No, but he did play us a version of the uh, theme tune, which we will slip in very soon. I got a little bit of excited when I first heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Anyway. So Kate. Gwen, 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 Gwen. What's been going on? Well, since we last spoke, since the last episode, I have flown our borders and disappeared off to France for um, a week and it has been heaven. I went to the Alps and as you know, anyone who listens to this podcast regularly will have heard me bang on in the past about how I used to live and work in the Alps. So it's always a very happy place for me to go to. It's your second home. It is, it is. And And we do both love a bit of France. Although I will say at the moment, I feel like amongst my friends and amongst loads of people who I follow or just come across on Instagram, everybody's skiing. Every bloody person's skiing. They're all out there rubbing our faces. I know, I know. What cost of living crisis? That's all right. Bring me another van show. (laughs) Put it on the credit card. (laughs) Um, Um, But but anyway, not you, Kate. I don't feel that you're rubbing our faces in it. Tell us all about it. Thanks, Greg. What's it like out there? Rob, Rob, Rob. Um, uh, it's well one interesting thing we did this year was we decided we didn't want to fly and actually I was thinking back to that activism and optimism episode and where we were talking yes. about things that we can do and you and I both had a major attack of the guilts after that didn't we I think it yes because in the intro to that we were both talking about which holidays we'd just been flying on jet setting off to various yeah. places so yeah. we decided we were going to get the train this time and oh, yeah. well firstly climate change and secondly prohibitively expensive to fly because there's just no way we could have afforded the flight so we got the train train travel is such a nice way to travel particularly if you're not kind of if it's not functional you know it's not in the UK and it's because you've got to get up to Manchester for whatever <laughs> workshop you've got to do and you're late in the oh, train oh yes okay you know, but if it's a sort of like I think the point I'm trying to make is I had to change my headspace when flying to a holiday kind of have it's like just get there quick get in get out it's just a functional thing to get you to where you want to be but we took two days to do this train journey because we were oh, travelling nice. with children. You know, we didn't want to be doing it at 5am in the morning and arriving at midnight. You know, we, we that was just going to be levels of hell beyond what we could cope with. So, Can, can you tell us which where you were going from from A to which B? So there's A, B, C and D thrown in here. So we went from Bristol (laughs) to London, London Mm. to Paris, Paris to Borg-Saint-Marie, Borg-Saint-Marie to Londres. We took five trains to get there. So when I say it like that, it's not surprising that it took us two days to do it. But it was such a beautiful train ride. You know, you just, if you're just in the headspace of like, this is part of my holiday. And the things you see that you don't see even from a car, really, you know, little villages you go through and, you know, little farms that you see and seeing the landscape change as we went into the mountains. It was really beautiful. And I kind of imagine, like, you're not on a Reva Cymru Wales trains no. with um, a bunch of pissed up lads or lasses get jumping on at Swansea with their um, with their Smirnoff ices yeah. getting louder and louder as you head towards <laughs> uh, Cardiff. Um, 
you're going. So presumably you're on pretty nice trains. Is it the TGV? It wasn't the TGV. We went for the budget option. The TGV shot past us at high speed at one point as we <laughs> chug chug chugged our way to the next local right. stop. We went but, on. But are they? Do they do trains better there though? Oh, they do. They're double decker. The trains that we were on were double-decker, which was very exciting. Although if you get the slightest bit motion sick, don't go on the top deck because you get okay. the full rocking and the rolling as you go along the tracks. But And Good there advice. was no cafe or bar or anything like that as well. So you had oh. to come fully stocked. Otherwise, you were going to have a long eight hours. But oh. um, yeah, so it was like the easy jet of French trains. It was called Wego. And, but it was comfy, you know, and you have a little table and... It was lovely. I enjoyed it a lot. That sounds so nice. It, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was more fun on the way there than on the way back. On the way there, you're all excited and it's lovely. On the way back, you're like, oh my God, I've still got, I've still got another five trains longer. to get. I can't cope with this any longer. And they were packed out. And then when we got the train from London back to Bristol again, they, there was, they'd booked enough passengers for a nine carriage train but only a five carriage train had rocked up so um, welcome back to the hooray, uk so everyone was like standing up and climbing over each other and all that jazz why did they do that oh. why is this country so shit at so many things i'm sorry to sound like i'm complaining but sometimes it's so shit well it's just impossible to do the right thing in the country like well i won't drive i'll get public transport then public transport's either so expensive so expensive or cancelled or doesn't exist yeah. in the first place like bus services have been slashed left right and center yeah. oh i feel like a right moaning moaning old woman <laughs> let's get out of this cold yes this but you're right like having lived a, g- a great chunk of my life in australia um yeah their trains were efficient yeah. they were also double deckers they got you where the where you needed to go pretty much on time and affordably too and it's just like why I know why I know anyway Gwen I've banged on enough about train travel enough tell me what have you been doing to make yourself feel good well I've been nowhere (laughs) do you know what's really amazing is that people this is always it like especially when people go off to like India for three months and they come back and they've literally had a life changing experience they've travelled thousands of miles they've met hundreds of people (laughs) they they have been to heaven or hell and back and You've done nothing different. Time has just passed. And I've managed to, since you've been away, Kate, I have watched like 16 episodes of Happy Valley. Well, that is an achievement in itself. <laughs> have you gone the other way down the supermarket aisle just to shake things up a bit? <laughs> I tell you what, okay, right, here's something you'll be proud of. Okay, hit me with it. I've been meditating. Oh, I am proud of that. Well done. Tell Thank me more. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm going to give a name drop to this app, even though we are not sponsored by it. Yes, <laughs> Wouldn't yet. it be great if we were? Um, but we both use this app. It's called 10% Happier App, and it is hosted by a guy called Dan Harris, who used to be a TV anchor. Um, I don't know the full story. Let's imagine it's something like he had burnout and then had to change his way of life and came to meditation. But he's so he's got a very kind of grounded... Hey, I'm kind of a normal guy yeah. approach, hasn't he? He does. He doesn't have that slightly kind of ethereal tone that sometimes meditation apps have. He's just yeah talks normally. Yeah, and he's really like a people of a people of the people. Yeah, yeah. Person of the people. He's he's um yeah. I like his approach. He's come from a decidedly non-Zen world of the newsroom, and yeah. he's basically yeah discovered meditation. And this app is really really good. Um, and did you do? They've got like he basically had this whole series with the Dalai Lama. Yes, I did it. Well, I'm halfway through it. I haven't finished it yet. It's so good. Like each of his programs, they're all really they're all really bite-sized. They're yeah. all really manageable. Each each meditation session is kind of like between, I don't know, 5 minutes, 15 yeah. minutes, averages 10 minutes and and there'll be a little video first, yeah. which I think we discovered halfway through that you weren't watching. You were going straight to the meditation. <laughs> I was like to sit and watch the little video first. <laughs> well, now I watch the videos I realised how much I was missing out on once I discovered the video. I was like, hang on a minute, I need to go back and redo it. And the, the whole world here. The one with the Dalai Lama, oh my God, he's just such an incredible person. He 
he's such a nice bloke, isn't he? I know. And, and he's actually interviewing him and then a couple of people who work alongside the Dalai Lama and it's one of them who's then conducting the meditation series for yeah. that week. It is brilliant. I quite like some of the morning ones. There's like, you can, there's so many in there and I found this series of just standalone morning meditations. Just setting you up for the day, like in a really positive way. Yeah. I just think, yeah. yeah, it's so much better than any of the other meditation apps I've sporadically and right. half-heartedly used. Yeah, same actually. Yeah, <laughs> same. And I and I did have a big, big gap. I did pay for a subscription yeah. back in April. <laughs> it's been a very big, long gap. And then I'm like, right, I've got to get back on it. Um, but the one I'm doing, the series that I'm doing at the moment is all about um, meditation and the brain. Oh. And, and I'm actually, maybe for the first time, learning just what positive impacts it has on the actual on your actual kind of brain function yeah because apparently after the age of 21 our brain starts to atrophy and um, meditation can actually slow that process down oh my god oh Oh, wow why are we not doing this all the time i know that is scary as well as also obviously help you cope with daytime stress and anxiety and etc but it actually has positive physical um impacts on your brain do you know what? When I was away, I fell over and I hit my head really hard. And the first thing that I thought afterwards was like, oh, God, there's another 40,000 brain cells that I've just <laughs> bashed out of my brain, out of my skull. I know, right? We've got to look after our brains. Jesus Christ. Did you know that just made me think, the, my favourite murder, which is my favourite podcast oh, yeah. I listen to, they... they um. They talk about a lot of murderers and um, oftentimes a lot of those murderers have had a head injury as a child. Have they really? And it's just given a big total personality change. Yes. That's interesting. And terrifying. Wow. Yes, because if your child has sustains a big head injury as a child, basically you've just got to put them down. That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Like if you want to really do society (laughs) a service. You've just got to put them down. I read a thing about people having head injuries and then afterwards speaking in a different accent. Like suddenly they had a broad Glaswegian accent and they just didn't know where it'd come from. But that was just their natural way of speaking. Are you serious? Just crazy. I've heard of that happening when people have like... um, organ donations that really? they suddenly take up a, they suddenly love whiskey whereas before they hated it that's really because their donor liked whiskey yeah wow that's weird isn't yeah it? what if you get a liver a liver transplant from someone who's had a serious <laughs> whiskey habit beforehand <laughs> I'd be like take this out for me we drum it out yeah. Yeah, just a wee dram. <laughs> it would take a lot. It would take an organ, an organ transplant for me to like whiskey. Oh, I, have to be I love a whiskey. Do you? Yeah, but I'm getting anyone who's listened to this thinking, oh, sophisticated taste. I like a little splash of coke in it <laughs> to hide hey. to hide the intense whiskey flavour. But I do like a little whiskey or an old fashioned. Mm-mm, my cocktail of What's choice. What's an old fashioned, please? Sugar, bitters and water with whiskey and garnish with an orange. And it's yeah, Yeah, okay, I'm Googling it. I mean, it looks like a Negroni and I love a Negroni. It's an Italian cocktail. Ooh, stunning. Mm. Um, and it's hey, and made gone. with one part vermouth rosso and one part Campari oh. garnished with orange peel. Uh-huh. It is considered an aperitif. Yum. And it's stirred, not shaken. Is it wrong that it's one o'clock on a Monday lunchtime and now I want to drink... A whiskey. Now, <laughs> now I want a little Negroni. <laughs> just to pep up my afternoon a little bit. <laughs> and then I'll do some meditation just to bring it right back down again. Here's another thing I learned the other day and which I have been applying to my daily life. Now tell me, Kate, when you have your morning coffee, yes, do you eat first or do you eat after Okay, it? I eat after it. Ha-ha! Well... Oh. Apparently, we shouldn't be doing that. Oh, really? We need to eat before coffee. Oh, okay. Why? Yes. Now, this is shared by a lady that we would love to have on the pod. This is Charlotte Foray Green Nutrition. And um, she was saying that when we wake in the morning, our cortisol levels are high or should be and rise to a peak shortly after. This isn't a bad thing. It's part of our natural 
diurnal rhythm to get you going in the morning. So caffeine spikes cortisol and adrenaline as stress hormones. So you're adding a stressor to a potentially already stressful hormonal situation. Oh. When your cortisol is just trying to do its thing, you're revving the engine, adding fuel to the fire. This can cause a cascade of hormonal and blood sugar issues. Interesting. With short and long-term implications to your mental health. Oh. So the solution, she says, is coffee after food. It buffers the body's response and tempers your adrenal reaction. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, I get myself so tied in knots with this sort of stuff because I've been trying to, not every day, but to do a, like skip breakfast and maybe not eat until... 10 30 11 o'clock oh like a fasting thing yes but i will have a coffee and that actually helps keep me going a bit yeah of course so and i can't drink Ooh. coffee too late i can't drink coffee past about midday because it keeps me awake at night yeah right oh that's a really interesting one well yeah have a go anyway that's what i've been doing i mean i, I like drink that. decaf anyway yeah <laughs> But it always has a teeny slither of caffeine this still in it. it. They can never get all the caffeine out. This is it. And so many people who are really sensitive to uh, caffeine will have a decaf thinking it's a safe option and then wonder why they still have that kind of knot yeah. in their chest of anxiety yeah. afterwards. There's anywhere between 2 and 20% of the caffeine is still with is still left in. And 20% is a lot. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It really is. And when you're super sensitive to caffeine, which I am now, yeah. Um, yeah, um then and so I can't have more than one coffee in a right. day. Wow. Yeah, depending on the brand. Yeah. Is there anything else that you found as you've evolved through life you can't tolerate anymore? Um <laughs> Oh my god! So much, <laughs> so much. Okay, okay, we'll put a so pin in that many one. things, so little time. That is a whole other podcast. <laughs> oh, it's right up my podcast. Now, before we get started, we'd just like to remind you about our Patreon. This is where we put all our episode extras for free. And for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you can join the very exclusive Rump Club. Yes, as a member, you will get access to extra Wiffle Waffle from Kate and I, behind the scenes content, music and lyrics from our incredible jingles. And we're even going to put some bonus episodes up there too. The funds from Patreon go towards covering our running costs, as well as earning our unending love and gratitude. So if you'd like to become one of our supporters and join the Rump Club, head on over to patreon.com forward slash write up my podcast. Thank you. So this is episode 39, all about connecting people. So yes, this episode we are talking to Math Potts, who is the founder of the charity Camarados. Now, just to give a bit of background to Math's life before he set this up, he spent 20 years working nationally across the homelessness sector. In a variety of roles, he ran the largest homeless service in the country for the Salvation Army, as well as being CEO of the award-winning organisation People Can, which worked with homelessness, criminal justice, domestic violence and addiction services. Math also ran the government's programme to modernise homelessness centres and he even set up a homeless shelter one Christmas for the charity crisis in the Millennium Dome which is what a bloody dude what a bloody dude <laughs> so I think before we get into our chat with Math it's probably is quite helpful just to set the scene a little bit about what the charity Camarados actually do so the main focus of their work right now is helping people set up something called a public living room now Math goes on to explain really well what these are you'll hear us talk about and mention them quite early on in the interview but just hang on in there because we do give a full explanation of what they are further in and before we get into the interview, I would just like to make a little apology about the sound quality, uh, because despite the fact that Math was recording in the Conduit's own podcast suite, it did sound at times like he had people above him playing ping pong while wearing stilettos. Um, so sorry about that. Anyway, back to you, Kate. So we started our interview with Math by asking him, what is Camarados? It sounds a bit pretentious to call it a movement, but it, that, that is what it is because um, I didn't want to set up an organisation because I found in 20 years organisations tend to eat themselves um, and you focus on what's important to, to you rather than what's important to the people you're trying to help. So I wanted to put mission first and that the best way was to go directly to people in the streets and work directly with them and get them to do stuff. So it's a movement, people popping up all over the UK and actually all over the world now. Um, many of them, most of them are setting up these things called public living rooms, but some of them are just camarados in their daily life. They wear a little badge like this I've got on with a C on it. And, um, and they, um, 
yeah, they think that the best way through tough times is is people and purpose, look, looking out for each other, basically. Um, and what might okay. that look like in people's day to day? Well, in your day to day, we've we've we kind of keep it simple. We've learned in the last seven years there's sort of six principles that kind of help uh, make things on the level with each other because people are weird, and uh, <laughs> we Hands we up. Uh, <laughs> we bring with us our own baggage. Uh, uh, it's just very strange. You're like we we want like these public living rooms, for instance. We want them to be on the level and everyone equal. But the first two questions anyone asks when they come in are who's in charge and what are the rules, and I think mm. that tells that tells you a lot about how messed up people are. So these principles you can use in your daily life, and um, uh, so yeah, I, I can run through them at some point. But the the gist of it is, when you're with someone, don't feel you have to fix them is a big one. Um, Okay. Just just be alongside talking. Uh, I'm a I'm a big believer that an hour's talking about your favourite biscuit is an hour well spent. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I I I don't have to get into your life and and start telling you what to do. So no fixing's a big one. Permission to be rubbish. Um, our most popular bit of merchandise is a badge that says I'm a bit shit sometimes. I um, love that badge. And uh, it's just a leveller, you know, it's just we're completely obsessed everywhere you go, particularly in services and charities with everyone being fixed and fantastic and a success. And, and you know what? That gets a bit wearing after a while. So just permission to be rubbish. Um, yeah. That, and then there's other principles, too. And the one that is the sort of magic light bulb for a lot of people, and I get I, I get stopped by people saying that they've used it in their classroom, in their workplace, in their hospital um, is if if all else fails and you and you're with someone who's having a really really tough time, the real magic one is uh, is don't help them, but uh, ask them to help you. Uh, uh, it's absolute yeah. magic 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 stuff. Just say, listen, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Look, could you do me a favour? Six words. Can you do me a favour? Six of the most powerful words in the English language, because basically what you've said to someone is, I trust you. Uh, you have value, you've got something to offer, I think you're great. And you're also saying, I don't have all the answers. And within five, within five minutes, that person who might have been crying or whatever at the edge uh, is suddenly saying to you, listen, Math, ca- calm down, mate, I've got it. I know what you should do. What you want to do is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they've got yeah. a sense of purpose and they've come out of their own problems. So, yeah. That's one of our I love that one because I I watched that video of you um, talking about the meaning of life and you were saying how you've literally been in conversation. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was great. It was so good. I cringe so much. I've got notes, but (laughs) what is it about that that makes you cringe? If I mean, I don't want to dig into these old wounds. (laughs) Well, I I suppose it's the closest I've come to a TED talk, and 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 loads of folk have watched it, and that's all great. But (laughs) it was a car crash. I mean, uh, (laughs) I uh, I'm on stage in front of a thousand people and all my powerpoint just goes completely to hell um and uh but never mind anyway uh, it well, was great you did it with it humor great. and grace and the, and you. the you audience loved you it um you styled it out i loved and, it and during that talk during your ted talk we may as well call it um you said how you literally were in conversation with people who were talking of ending their own lives and you turned it around just by asking them to to do you a favor what have you got an example of that yeah absolutely uh, i remember um, years before camarados i was uh, i was running a national homeless uh, charity and i was sat in one of our day centers and there was a fellow rocking backwards and forwards and he had this big gash in his head and his eyes were bloodshot and he was rocking back and, forth. and i went up and had a chat with him got him a cup of tea and um basically <coughs> he was sleeping rough on a on a park bench um and he'd been in and out of rehab and his his wife had left him and went off with the kids didn't know where they were and he'd come out didn't have anywhere to live was on a park bench and then there was a fight breaking out in the park and so he thought he'd do his bit and and kind of go in and try and sort it out and someone stabbed him in the head oh, and um God. and it was just like you know prop you know awful thing upon awful thing and he'd finally just had enough and said he was at the end of his tether and I had a bit of a chat with him and he said he used to be a patent decorator and he used to have a big house and a fleet of vans and everything and his whole life had fallen apart blah blah and I just said, oh, mate, I'm really sorry to hear that. Listen, can you do me a favour? You're a painter and decorator because this day centre is a total shithole. Um, and I'm desperate, I'm desperate to do something about it. Have you got any ideas for me? Because I just, you know, I'm completely lost. I'm rubbish at that kind of thing. Uh, and he said, well, uh, can you show me round? So I showed him round and, and we went from room to room. And he said, right, what you want to try here is this. What you want to try here is it. Mm-hmm. And then he said, listen, I'll tell you what, Tuesday, I'll come down. I know some guys will we'll have a go. Uh, can you get me the paint? I said, yeah, I'll get you the paint. He said, right, I'll do it. Um, and, and basically, 
literally mm. 10 minutes previously, he was rocking backwards and forwards. Because I said to him, what, what's your next plan? And he said at the time, oh, I just want to end it all. 10 minutes mm. later, he's, he's, he's telling me how to, to go around the edges of door frames with paint and what, what to do. And, um, and he came back and he painted the day centre for me. That's purpose. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally. what that is, isn't it? Purpose. That's it. I want to know the other I want to know the other of the six missions. <laughs> oh, the six principles. Oh, well, yeah. so there's no, so there's no fixing, uh just be alongside. There's permission to be a bit rubbish sometimes. Uh, if you see someone struggling, ask them to help you. And then uh, a big one, I have to say this was the one that made us set up public living rooms was mixed with people who are not like you. Um, when we did our very first public living room, we did it inside. But we had no money, so we did it inside an undertaker's garage because it's all we could get a hold of. Nice. Um, yeah, where he used to park the hearses, we, he, they gave us it. And then uh, we made tea and coffee in the mortuary where he used to keep the bodies. And um, this was our very first public living room in Sheffield in January, in winter. And uh, we put up some fairy lights and some sofas and we put a piano on the street and got the coffee on. And the flood of people that came in, we suddenly were like, oh... I've never seen this before. There was a home. Yes, there was a homeless lass, but there was also these sort of hip, cool boho types who thought the whole place was really groovy. <laughs> Pop and, up. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, alternative. And then there were shoppers and the guys from the building site and students and tourists. And, and we, it was just nothing I'd seen before. Because we all self-select. You know, you go to Cafe Nero, you go to KFC, you go, you know, and those tribes don't often mix. And so suddenly they were all in there. And yeah, okay there was this imperceptible common humanity thing, which I can't really describe to you here, but if you walked in, you'd feel it, and it feels bloody yeah. great. So mixing with people who are not like you is a, is a big one for us. So added to that is um, it, a, a principle about it's okay to disagree respectfully. So if someone is different from you, that's okay. Uh, now, that is the, this is the principle most camaraders struggle with um, because, you know, we say if someone's racist, sit down, have a cup of tea, and talk to them about it. Uh, that doesn't go down too well with a lot of people mm. in our movement, so it's a real, real struggle. Um, a lot of these principles sound really, really fluffy, but once you try and uh, once you hit the road with them, you find them quite hard. Um, and then the, the the final sixth principle is is have a laugh, uh, be have fun, because mm. uh, to be silly is to be human. And um, how that bears itself out in your daily life is that there's is all sorts of ways. I mean, there's one camarado in Norwich uh, who goes into meetings in the council where he works. And everyone sat there saying their name and their big title. And he says, I am Sam and my favourite biscuit is a hobnob. <laughs> and uh, before you know it, the head of the council beside him kind of suddenly looks a bit quizzical and then says, uh, I'm David and I'm more of a custard cream man myself. And, uh, <laughs> and then the, the sort of connection, the connection just spreads throughout the meeting and everyone can be human with each other. Oh, I so. love yeah. that so much. Yeah, definitely. And before you know it, the custard creams are talking to the digestives and it's all a <laughs> wonderful human soup. I love that. Um, so we've talked about public living rooms. You've brought this phrase up, but can you just give us, in a nutshell, what is a public living room? Well, everyone's different because it's a movement, not an organisation. So you, you, everyone can create their own where they are, how they like. We, we just give them a box, a cardboard box, but a very, very beautiful one. Uh, called Public Living Room in a Box, and we send it to you, and all you've got to do is add people and furniture. Everything's in there, the fairy lights, all the stuff, and uh, you can just crack on with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it can happen anywhere. It tends to be uh, a very, well, it has to be a very cosy place where you can put your feet up. Um, so we're trying to combat the fact that most places you go in times of crisis, if you think about it, are fairly cold and scary. Um, yeah. So, you know police station, hospital, council office. They don't summon up images of comfort and cosiness. So, so yeah, uh, basically cushion covers, fairy lights. Uh, something happens to the human brain when you see fairy lights. Um, you don't think, yes. you know, you don't My think that... My house is covered uh, in them. <laughs> definitely. It's, it, it doesn't give a sort of police station vibe to you, does it? Um, no. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so fairy lights are very important. And, and, and it's, you can just kick off your shoes, relax, and nothing is expected of you. Some people do it in uh, shops. Uh, some people do it in cafes. Some people do it in uh, hospitals. Uh, the world's biggest one is in a student union, in a college. Uh, when summer comes, everyone seems to do it in the park, which is brilliant. Um, yeah, it can happen anywhere, and it can happen once a week, once a month or every day and everyone is different. I 
got to be somewhere soon But my heart's stuck in this room Thinking about the love we shared And how it all just disappeared I don't know where I'm going But I know I can't stay here I gotta find a way to move on And leave behind this fear I packed my bags and said goodbye To all the things that made me cry I'm on the road to find myself And leave behind this broken shell I don't know where I'm going But I know I can't stay here I gotta find a way to move on And leave behind this fear And these are all over the world now. You've, you've connected with people all over the world who are setting these up. Is that right? Oh, it's an absolute joy coming in the office some mornings because all the boxes will be there and you'll look on top of them and it'll say Boston, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, yeah. And then it'll say, you know, uh, Bognoregis right next to it. And then it'll, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so it's got all these, I mean, it really, they're mostly in the UK, but yeah, we've got some in the States in Colorado and, and um New York and places and then we've got uh, them in New Zealand and Australia and um, which is yeah it's really exciting obviously when that happens and and so they're just literally a space so people are creating a comforting warming space for people to just come and have a chat yeah um, they don't even have to have a chat actually they can just come and be but if someone talks to them that that'd be lovely I guess but I mean it's run by the people who walk in that they're not staffed you see so uh, yeah, yeah. it's it's whoever wanders in um, uh, and uh, we just have a few very subtle messages. And, and this is the real tricky thing. To make it more than just sofas, we just have a few little messages like coasters, little poster, little book or something. And you just have a look and it basically says, oh, no fixing. It's OK to be a bit rubbish. And sort of it sort of mm. seeps in that you know what this place is for. Um, yeah. And that's that's but you've got to be subtle about it, because if you're not careful and this is why, you know, we didn't. We, we find it hard to work with the system. If you're not careful, there's a sign outside saying um, isolation and uh, connection centre, come in, fill out the form, you know. Uh, so any yeah. any little thing can make people feel they're being done to. Um, mm. So you've got, you've got to be careful with the messaging. Language is so important. Yeah. I read as well that you you like to, you, you put these postcards for people to share their personal stories. Yeah, yeah. So in the box, there's a load of postcards. There's also a washing line with... Uh, clothes pegs and they can hang up the mm. postcards because um, much more powerful than a notice that says, you know, come in here and connect is if you go in and you read a postcard that says a beautiful story. And we, we've, yeah, we've had some incredibly moving ones um, and it yeah. just gives you an idea of what the, what the place is for. Can you yes. give us an example of one of those? Cause you, you were reading some of those out in your Ted talk and they were just so, <laughs> they were so, um, they're so moving just how people's, lives can be turned around in just a couple of hours time yeah I, I remember that very very first public living room getting quite a shock there was one of the postcards just said um i had a miscarriage three weeks ago and I haven't been able to go to work and i every morning i get dressed and i set off and i can't make it in but today i spent a couple of hours in your public living room chatting to folk and um i feel much more confident now i'm going in uh that was a great one um and yeah, I think the one I mentioned in my talk was a, a woman who wrote, I've, I've just said goodbye to my husband for the last time on the cardiac ward. And uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. I came in here and I met a stranger and she got me through the night. And, um, and, I, and, and I think the thing is, in, in, in times of real proper life crisis, um, you don't necessarily want to kind of access a service or an intervention. Uh, yeah. you, you, you just want to chat nonsense over a cup of tea with someone for a while and uh, and you'll find probably that you connect a bit deeper you know yeah and in those moments it can be such a relief actually just to have a I'm doing air quotes here like a normal conversation and not have to be accessing all the pain and the trauma or whatever it is that you're coping with right then just to talk about biscuits just to keep that analogy going can can be a real comfort in itself and, and one of the stories I really liked was, um, I think he was a cancer surgeon who was just really struggling with his work. And on a break, he came into one of the living rooms and he said he had a hug. And and it was that hug that basically made him feel all right and made him feel able to go back into work again. And, and it's yeah. like, yes, just co it's connection, isn't it? It's just connection. And a, a lot of us are living really disconnected lives now. Like yeah. we were anyway. COVID's made us more disconnected. A lot of people have. We haven't really got back to how connected we were pre-COVID, have we? 
No, I was kind of hoping that the uh, pandemic would have given everyone a glimpse of what it can be like, though, because because yeah. what happened in the pandemic was a very positive story, really, in a, such a terrible time, was that people came out onto their streets and chatted to yeah. their neighbours across the fence, as it were, and, uh, um, you know, we had a sing-along in my street. I took my piano out onto the street, and yeah. every two weeks, everyone would come out. We all had song sheets. People would pop requests through my letterbox, and uh, it, would, <laughs> it, it, it would say, uh, you know... Uh, Delilah requested by Muriel at number 19 and we'd all sing it and um, and uh, so the connect I got to know a lot of my neighbors the connection was really That's powerful great. and I think people realized that their neighbors were could be part of their life and part of the answer to a lot of their problems rather than institutions so I had high hopes coming out of the pandemic but mm. I feel I feel like we've clicked back a bit yeah, um, yeah. what yeah. is it about the way that um, and I can only speak for living, I live in Bristol, and I can only speak from the sphere of my own experience, but what is it about our kind of culture that we seem to fall back on that disconnection? We seem to sort of stiffen from having those personal, warmer, closer interactions. Well, I honestly, you see, this is where I think our principles come in handy because I honestly think it's that first one I mentioned. It's the fixing yeah. one because yeah. people feel that if they get involved, if they start talking, they're going to have to sort everything out for you. I don't know. It's There's a obligation, uh, particularly with English people. It's like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to get involved. If we could just liberate everybody from that and say, you know what, it's completely yeah. okay not to fix anything and just look someone in the eye ask their name, have a bit of a chat and then wander off. Is is Connection is enough. And I, uh, people don't realise that. that we're, we're obsessed, if, if you don't mind me getting pretentious for a second, we're obsessed with uh, the logic model or the medical model, which is identify a problem, issue a treatment, the, uh, the problem is fixed, uh, tick. The problem with the logic model is it, there's this thing that it doesn't fit and that thing is life because life is not fixed. We go forward and back and good days and bad days and life is a continuum. So if we could just cre- instead create an environment where people feel all right to be whoever they want to be and there's constantly that safety blanket, but instead we've become siloed into a world of services well, and retail, that's the public realm pretty much, which is all about fixing or making a sale. And there's, yeah. no, there's no place to just kind of be and be all right. Uh, you know, I just have to be success or I'm a failure. Yeah. So um, so we just want everyone to kind of bin that when it comes to certain aspects. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good to fix a broken arm. It's good to fix a broken car. But not everything needs a fix. You can just be human. So that's yeah. kind of, you know, and that, that uh, cancer surgeon you mentioned who got the hug, the hug was from a patient. And, you know, when, when would a patient ever help out a surgeon? That just doesn't happen. Yeah. We're so rigidly stuck into these binary helper and helped. Yes. You know, Power dynamics, yeah. Big time, big time. So, yeah, I, I think that's what we're trying to smash down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if some people think that, oh, in order to have a connection with you as a fellow human being, that connection is based on us sharing our secrets. Like, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? Maybe that's, um, I don't know, maybe that's a bit schoolgirl of me to say that, but, you know, that kind of feeling of connecting with someone because they told you about their deepest, darkest thoughts. Like, that's not actually be on an end all of connecting with another human no and a, a guy who influenced us more than anyone else uh was a guy who wandered into a public living room in blackpool about five years ago big tall guy bald head looked like the butler in the adams family uh and uh <laughs> i love him already he's uh he was called wayne and um he'd been in and out of prison all his life uh but he was a completely lovely fella um he used to buy a bubble uh those bubble bottles and he used to walk around town uh, blowing bubbles for everybody for the kids and and then he used to buy cupcakes and he'd wait outside the council offices and give them to anyone who looked stressed and that's what how he spent his gyro he he just he he just wanted to put some more good into the world he was a lovely fella anyway we this fella wandered into our public living room we overheard him say to somebody um listen fella i'm not your friend but i'm your camarado okay i've got your back yeah. and we were like oh you know he was using Camarado as, as, as a noun, and we always use Camarado as a proper noun. It was the name of our company, our charitable company. Uh, and uh, suddenly he's saying Camarado. So we sat him down and said, what did you mean? Uh, and he said, well, uh, Camarado is um, halfway between a stranger and a friend. And uh, I said, oh, wh- why does it have to be halfway? Why can't it be a friend? What's wrong with a friend? And he said, oh, friend's a bit heavy. You know, you've got to fix your friend. You've got to sort your friends out. All I need is someone someone alongside me for 10 minutes. I've got their back, they've got my 
back. We're good. So this idea that you're saying about getting involved in each other's life, knowing all each other's secrets, telling everything, it's like, whoa, that's just a bit much. What I need is that. And I, and I think really we need more we need more of these some people call them weak ties i don't i don't like that because it sounds a little bit lesser but the person you sit next to on the bus the person you meet mm-hmm. at the bus stop you can have a perfectly lovely often quite valuable gorgeous conversation and you, you might even tell them more than you tell your friends and we just need a bit more of that kind of connection totally i get so much pleasure from those little interactions the chatting with the person on the bus the chatting with the person behind the counter at the coffee shop or whatever Real pleasure in those moments. Yeah. And it's like and what I love as well is when you see somebody walking past and they've got a nice coat that you actually go, I like your coat. Or yes. you know, you just just those little moments and you put a smile on their face and a smile on your own face. And I love it when people do that to me. Somebody commented on my scarf yesterday and you go, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And it puts a real spring in your step, doesn't it? And it gives you that feeling of like, oh, we're all in it together. Us all walking down yeah. the street. We're not in our little isolated bubbles. We're all in it together. And if you trip over the curb, I'm going to give you an arm to lean on. That's yeah. the thing. I'll laugh first. I will laugh, then give you an arm to lean on. Ask, yeah. Point a laugh, take a photo, <laughs> pop it on Instagram, then I'll help you up. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wandered wildly across yonder hilltop Butterflies are fluttering all peaceful in the sun And there I spied a damsel laying in the grass She was just a robot and none of this was real. Now, obviously, the ideal is for everybody listening to go set up their own um, public living room. But this might not suit everybody who's listening. Um, But I guess the principles can be applied in your own in your own lives, can't they? The fairy lights has made me think of all through winter. I do movie nights at my house. The names have changed over this over the uh, episodes. Cinema Club, the the premiere lounge, (laughs) etc. And and basically it's getting a bunch of us together and we all have a chat and we all share some food. And they wander into my fairy light infested living room and um, and, every, and we sit in front of a log fire. We all squeeze in and we all watch a movie together. And and it just brings us all so much joy. And it's mm. just getting us through. It's getting us out of our homes. Yeah. Getting, I mean, for me, I live by myself. It's um, creating a social life in my, fir- in my front living room. I love it. Um, but also other friends, they've got this boys club. And I don't know if I've spoken about this before on the pod, but... They set it up a few years ago and it was just going to the pubs to have beers on a Thursday and the group has grown and grown all through the pandemic. They were doing it via Zoom or getting pissed up in their own homes. After that, they tend to just go and drink in each other's homes. But yeah, they're talking about plumbing. They're talking about beer making. <laughs> they're talking about whatever old shite. And I, and I just always look at those, those boys and I just think they have got themselves through some really tough years and what a great thing to set up and mm. how inspiring that they're just create they, they've they've accidentally created this little community where they know that they've got people who've got their backs and I think yeah mm. it's it's um it's something that we can do like have you got ideas how people could just apply these principles in their own lives well yeah I think I think they're, they're fairly self-explanatory, but one thing I, I would just say at this point is it's it's a not as big a deal as you think to do one of these little public living rooms. It literally could be something that you you grab a sofa and some armchairs and you do it for a couple of hours on a Saturday morning and you do it once. We often suggest to people just do it once and just you know put the word out. And it's not the most demanding thing in the world to sit there and eat biscuits and talk nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do it for two hours and I guarantee you it'll feel great. And so you'll think, oh, let's do it next month. And then you might only do it once a month. Then you think, ah, this needs to be every fortnight. And just take take the pressure off yourself. Also, don't do it alone. Do it with some mates, you know. Take it in turns. Go with the grain of your life. Do it where you want. Um, it does not have to be a big deal. The um, up, so If people want to do it, get in touch with us. But what everyone has a cup of tea and a piece of cake with Yvonne over Zoom. And, uh, and she has a chat with you and then we send you a box. I would say that only 50% of people who have a cup of tea with Yvonne get the boxes, though. 
Right, okay. That's interesting. And that's because the other 50% are rescuers, which is fine. You know, if they want to do that, that's okay. They can, you know, go for your life, but we're just not with us. We don't do the rescuing. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, but I think the, in, in your daily life, yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of said it, you know, just noticing other people and, and, and looking out for them. And, you know, I, I, I think that's fairly self-explanatory, but also just not not fixing would be the best thing. So when, when someone sits on your sofa with a cup of tea and says, oh, I've got this problem, don't immediately bring the finger out and go, what you want to do is it's perfectly yeah. it's perfectly OK to say, girl, that's really shit. Yeah, and that's what people you know, want to hear, isn't it? Actually, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and yeah they just want you to empathise. Be like, yeah, man, yeah, I can see that that is tough. Yeah, and and if you if if you think they really are desperate and want something, I think that other principle of of being able to show your own vulnerability and say something you're worried about, and do they have any advice, and what do they yeah. think of this? I think what you'll find yeah. is the dynamic shifts. They come out of their own problem into yours a bit, and they. Uh, you know, they come into yours and, and, and just kind of, you know, re- regain a bit of purpose and a bit of self. Um, mm. You know, I think that's quite a magic one. There was a teaching assistant outside my kid's school ran up to me last week and she said, I just have to tell you, there's this kid who's, um, bless her, she's got ADHD and she causes chaos every day in the class. She's a lovely kid, but she can't help it. And I just didn't know what to do. And she said, and I applied that principle of yours. I didn't even know this woman knew camera does what I did for a living. And she said, um, so I asked her to be book monitor and a librarian for the for the class and sort out the book corner every morning. And she said, not had a problem with her since. Oh, wow. Just, so she just needed that focus, yeah. but also it's the the purpose. Yeah. Purpose. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to come on to that, actually. We've spoken a lot about people and the people need people and the power of bringing that into your life. Like purpose, how do we harness that if it's something that's lacking well in the early days camaraders because I, I, I hasten to add that we're completely making this up as we go along sure. so yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I haven't a clue how to start a social movement and let alone uh, you know one that changes people's lives so uh, we've made every mistake in the book and um, and I think one of them was we started to fill our public rooms with lots of activity uh, so you can go to this choir, you can go to this gardening club, you can go because I thought, oh, purpose. I was very literal about it, mm. and then I realised people were feeling slightly harangued. They were feeling slightly like it was uh, a service, uh, mm. you know, the kind of service that has the the, the, the leaflets on the table. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and actually, suddenly the massive light bulb was. I realised the purpose was the connection. So okay. when you look out for someone else there is no bigger purpose than I'm looking out for you and I'm doing something for you. That's a massive pull. So, you know, uh, and that can literally be giving you directions somewhere. Like a tiny little sliver of purpose in your day is I know where that place is. Um, or I've got I, I've got an experience I can share with you, which which you really value. You know, someone saying to you, oh, thanks, actually, that's really, that's really given me some ideas. Wow, what an amazing bit of validation to you for having given them an idea. So the purpose can come from conversation. So... That's not to say that some public living rooms don't have little activities on the side. So that the ones in Norwich, they have board games going on. I was uh, just going to say board games would be a nice one. Yeah, yeah. They do board games in Norwich um, and in uh, Colville. They, they've got on an allotment. They do gar- gardening. Mm, and, that's nice. Yeah, and there's some fantastic people in the southwest who go to county shows and talk to farmers because farmers have a massive uh, struggle with their own mental health, actually. And uh, they call themselves Farmerados. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. So you can, I mean, it's a, it's a movement. You've got to do what works for you in your neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is, lot of, there is a lot of research and a lot of evidence to show that actually helping other people does make you feel better, doesn't it? It is, it is a, a surefire way to kind of, I guess, um, well, to make you feel good. Yeah, and... and I I think, I hope taking the pressure off with things like a no fixing principle, you don't have to have the answer, might make more people do it. Because I think some of us are put off by, oh, that's a big commitment and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But actually just something tiny, something small, where there are no need for any answers, I think could be could be very big. I mean, interesting, you talk about research. Um, obviously, we've come out of a pandemic and straight into the cost of living crisis. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I'm actually now going out onto pavements around the UK uh, with a sofa and stick it on, sticking it on the pavements in neighbourhoods that are particularly hit by the cost of living crisis just to talk to folk. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing what you find out there because uh, I, I think that um, people are noticing that 
everyone's talking about fuel poverty and they're talking about food poverty, both of which are very important. But a recent bit of research in what they call the left behind neighborhoods, another terrible piece of jargon, the left behind neighborhoods said that more than all of those, they want a place to connect. Mm-hmm. That's literally what they came out with. They said, we want spaces to come together. Um, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm going out there and, and trying to remind folk of this. And going out and telling people that they don't have to fix people. They just have to be with them. There's no wrong way of doing it. Oh, well, some people get very... Uh, some people say when they talk about the fixing principle, you know, uh, but, you know, have I been doing it? One guy came up to me after a, a speech and said, oh, my God, I've been doing it wrong all this year. I've been giving people um, advice to go here and to go there. And, you know, I'm a fixer. I'm terrible. I said, no, you're not <laughs> terrible. Apart from the fact that we're not saying no fixing anywhere. We're just saying none in here. But also, if something comes up in conversation, that's not fixing, is it? That's just an idea. That's quite yeah. different mm-hmm. from saying to, that's quite different from saying to someone, right, Monday at 2.30, you've got an appointment to go to this scary building. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, people can have ideas. So people sort of challenge the fixing principle. And I say, well, look, you know, we're not saying that through conversation. Good ideas can't come. Um, and then other people worry about um, public living rooms being places where, you know, bad stuff could happen, um, like, you know, things could really kick off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to say, when there's fairy lights and cushion covers and custard creams and cups of tea, it's a bit like kicking off at a village fete. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we had them in six NHS hospitals, 24 hours a day, unstaffed, right next to A&E. And the only incident we ever had was a couple getting a little over amorous in the middle of the night and, and uh, being caught at it. Um, that is the only thing. We've, we've never had any... Uh, Power of fairy lights, Matt. There you fairy go. will do it. <laughs> it's connection of a sort, isn't it, I suppose? Um, <laughs> well, but people and purpose involved in that. Working magic. Yeah. <laughs> More ways than one. Yeah, yeah. So no, they, they, they're, they're pretty safe places. I think the thing is to, to put it in your heads more in the realm of uh, book club or knitting circle. Uh, one of those informal, casual things that people do together. And quite often, because I talk a lot about its impact on people with very tough lives, people want to talk about us as if we're a service. What's our safeguarding policy, you know? And I say, no one's ever asked my wife's book club if she has a safeguarding policy, <laughs> you know? So this is just people yeah. doing it, you know? Like, and, and so I think we have to keep it in that realm. It's not the answer to everything. It's not the elixir for all ills, but it's just a little bit of humanity that's just missing. Because uh, at the moment we sort of have... You know, you go from crisis to intervention service. And I, and I think that's a massive step for some people whose confidence is lousy. You just need yeah. something else, you know. Absolutely. Like yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Math. That Thank was you, just Maf. so interesting to hear all about what you're up to. And so I wish you so much luck as well with just the continuing growth of all of the work you're doing. Oh, thanks. That's really kind of you. I'm so chuffed you asked me on here. It's really lovely to spend time with you. And um, thanks for encouraging us like this. I'm really, really grateful. I didn't get to play my piano for you. How about hey, that? Hey, give us a little Yay. tinkle now. <laughs> give us a little tinkle. Uh, uh, <laughs> much to math for talking to us and if you want to find out more about the work the camarados are doing or maybe even look into setting up a public living room in your community then you can go to their website which is camarados that's c-a-m-e-r-a-d-o-s dot org or why not email cuppa at camarados.org and have a cup of tea and a chat with Yvonne and talk about whether maybe you could set up a public living room too but we'll put all these links in the show notes as always Absolutely brilliant. What an inspiring man. Yes. 
And now normally we have a kind of challenge or task off the back of these things. But the nature of this interview has been slightly different, hasn't it? It doesn't lend itself so much to a off you go, Gwen, off you go and do it. Although saying that while chatting to him, I did think maybe I could, maybe I should try and set up a public living room. Maybe I should have a couple with Yvonne. Yes. So what are you thinking? Because, yeah, I've definitely been thinking about that since. And yeah, the big thing that I keep... Sorry, I interrupted you there. Oh, used to that, doll. Carry on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's always the other Ouch. way around. Go on, go on. <laughs> the big thing that I keep coming back to is where to do it. There's a few empty shot fronts on my local high street that I thought, well, that could be Perfect. good if you sort of have a word and they let you, you know, a couple of hours on a Saturday morning. The big thing that I keep coming back to, and Maf did talk about this, that, you know, it just doesn't happen, is my fear of... of the behaviour, you know, the sort of the area I was thinking about, there are some common characters that obviously struggle with addiction, whether it's alcohol or otherwise. And my fear would be if the um, behaviour of people in there fueled by an addiction was something that I wasn't able to cope with or that was a barrier for other people coming in yeah. and enjoying that space. There's like just a handful of regular characters around there and I know they would stumble in. Mm. And, you know, at one point, my my daughter's school is on two sites. And at one point, they're being walked in a cute little crocodile. They're all like five years old from one site to the other. And this particular character you see all the time there came up to him and was like, yeah, bunch of fucking cats. <laughs> And the daughter and the teacher at the time, he was like standing in front of them, like ushering some of the other side of the road, like, okay. And he was like body blocking this woman. And she was like lurching towards him while her boyfriend, equally inebriated, but obviously clicking that this was not appropriate, was trying to drag her away. At the end of the day, my, so they sent a letter home to the parents. At the end of the day, my daughter came up to me. She was like, mommy, someone came up to me in the street today and called me a fluffy cat. <laughs> so really? Oh That's God. nice. She's got a oh, Google yeah. safe search filter on. <laughs> Good honour. <laughs> That's amazing. So I can totally understand that you would feel a little bit reticent about opening up some doors yeah. and just letting anybody in. I can totally understand. Yes, yes, completely. I mean, but I'm open to the fact that that's my own prejudice or my own lack of experience. Because one thing that really resonated with me is the, the importance of spending time with people that aren't like you. Yeah, exactly. Because we all rotate in these circles. Yeah of people that are like us and I, I've already experienced through some volunteer work that I've done on and off various times in my life the, the the power and the satisfaction of spending time with people who just have a different life experience yeah. and how important that can be yeah absolutely but then math he's worked with every single um, type of person struggling with every single challenge that human beings can struggle with I yeah. imagine and and because of that, knows that this is a really helpful system. And, so, he, and he finds the humanity. And I think that's what he's saying is yeah. missing, isn't it? Humanity is yeah. missing. And it's the just, humanity. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. bringing and bringing people together and just yeah. and hearing. Yeah. What goes on behind that behind that character that you see? What is the story? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that someone, um, you know, put some custard creams and some fairy lights out and, and people respect that space. Yeah. I want you Apart to do it. I want to do it as well. Yeah. I want to do it with someone else though. Oh yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. But I can think of a few people I think I who think might that be up work for it. really well in Bristol. And I think his thing about don't, you know, don't be intimidated. Just do it once. It doesn't have to be a yeah. commitment to do it every weekend. Does you don't even have to do it for a whole day, you know. Do it once for a couple of hours with some friends. Yeah. See how it goes. I think that is a great idea. And I think that is a great encouragement to just try it once. Yeah. And to just and it might be in that couple of hours that somebody has a hug from somebody yeah. or has a conversation that just really helps them yeah totally yeah actually that makes me think of um years ago I went um I don't know whether this was like an international thing that was happening on that day <laughs> or it was just friends of mine decided that this was what we were going to do but we went out and gave free hugs for an I afternoon were you holding... How did people know you were giving free we hugs? We were literally just... holding placards. Oh, love that. Big sign saying free hugs. <laughs> um, I had to wear a wig because I was feeling slightly self-conscious. <laughs> and... Free hugs, but not <laughs> as Gwen. <laughs> yeah. Has my hug huggy braver alter ego. Um, but it was... And at first I was just like, oh my God, what are we 
doing? But it was such a lovely experience. And we just did that for a couple of hours yeah. for the afternoon. And I literally had conversations wow. with people I would never talk to usually. Yes. And um, and I remember one guy saying to me, that's the first hug I've had in a month. Oh, my God. And yeah, wow. this one woman who says all she sees is like her her daughter like once a week and she doesn't see other people like all these little stories that had little conversations that had with people just felt so yeah it felt so important and actually so when he was talking because I was thinking I don't know whether I've got it in me Mm. to set up a local group and um but I was thinking actually I could go and do hugs again one day I would like you know, it's about because I think the crux of what he was saying is it's about connection. Connection and, that's it. and oh my goodness, isolation and loneliness. It's just such. Uh, oh, it's so hard. It's such a difficult thing to live with. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just got worse and worse and yeah. worse. What with the pandemic, yeah. but also when you look, especially where I am, like rurally, um, those little centres that would have brought people together historically, the schools, the youth clubs, the post offices. Yeah, the youth clubs, yeah. the chapels, the churches, so many of them have gone. Yeah. And those just little weekly interactions that people might have at the post office yeah. or etc., they've been removed. Yeah. And so um shopping I, online. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, more and more yeah. stuff can be done remotely. Uh, it's it's yeah. really we we think that making things quicker and easier is is more but is better. But actually, it's not, I think, when you sort of cut out all of these opportunities for connection, uh, whatever yes. smaller level they are, I think we, we there's a loss there. We're losing something. Yeah, we really are. Yeah, definitely. And I tell you, Al, I tell you who else, an unusual uh, inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't usually talk about television in this segment, but <laughs> as you know, I've been going deep in Happy Valley over the yeah. last couple of weeks. And um, she, Catherine Kayward, um, who is the lead character yeah she's the uh, she's policewoman and um in a really socially deprived town up near like up in Halifax yeah. and she's she's just real integral part of the community like everybody knows her and she just in all these little ways as well as doing her job in all these little ways she's just constantly helping people right. like people who are looking for a job or something she'll just connect them with somebody else yeah. or she's just constantly just just looking out for people yeah and I just thought that looks that's nice and yeah. so I, I do feel inspired by him and by her yeah. to kind of um just engage more Definitely. with people Definitely. and and go that little step further rather than operating in my bubble yeah where it's like a hello and of just a as I'm walking past but engage more that's I totally agree. And even if you don't feel like setting up a public living room is something that you can do, then those little interactions, I think, can be huge. I went into a coffee shop the other day and I was thinking about what you were saying. Someone had said to you about they liked your scarf. And I saw a woman sitting there in the most beautiful dress. And I just said to my way out, I was like, God, your dress is gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And she was surprised and taken back but really kind of like oh my goodness that's so nice of you to say and I got a real spring in my step because it was such a lovely little interaction I went bouncing out onto the street and it was a really lovely little moment and that's so nice can just boost the experiences of everybody ourselves included yeah 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 can I go back that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Can I go back to your free hugs? Did you have to go up and kind of accost people and ask if they wanted one? Or did you just stand there and people came up to you going, yeah, I want one? No, people came up to us. Did they? Wow. We just stood there with a sign and people came up to us. Did anyone come up to you and were like, no, not for you? You can't turn down. You can't. Okay, fair enough. Just wondering. <laughs> Sometimes I did have to go, right, Kyle. <laughs> Suck it up, Gwen. Here we go. You you got yourself into this. <laughs> I've committed to this. <laughs> this person may not have had a hug for a long time. <laughs> and I'm getting bloody well given one. Good on you, Bloody chip. well given a good squeeze. <laughs> but yeah, I think, so I think... Um, I would like to do that more. Yes. Yes, I agree. I would as well. And there's some things that he said, which if the opportunity arises and the right sort of conversation happens, I hope that I can bring to front of mind, such as the asked that person to do you a favour, you know. Yes. Just to kind of see how that plays out. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look out for that. And I'm like, Kate, I'm having a really hard time. I'm like, oh, Gwen, I'm so sorry. Now, can you edit the whole next podcast on your own, please? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Like, Thanks a lot, Math. Because <laughs> Math thinks it will help. Brilliant. I'm going to go off and have a massage. And you'll be like, I feel really good because I've helped her a lot. I've given her purpose. <laughs> I've given her purpose and me a day off. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Write Up My Podcast. And as always, we love to hear from you. So you can email us at writeupmypodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Twitter using the handle at writeupmy. You can subscribe and follow wherever you listen. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, and you can also leave us a rating and a review. We would love it if you gave us five stars, please. And please share with your friends. And why not head down to Patreon where you can join the exclusive Rump Club. Go to patreon.com slash writeupmypodcast and for the price of a mere cup of coffee a month you can enjoy all sorts of extra wiffle waffle from Gwen and I. And as always, we'd like to say a great big thank you to our very talented team. That is Andy G on the music, absolute genius. And also Erica Francis George on the beautiful artwork. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode where we'll be talking all about how to argue better, which is a skill set that neither Gwen or I own. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it on. So this will be good. But meanwhile, keep trying things to make you feel good. Bye-bye. Tell me, did you like the podcast, Brian? No! Oh. If, unlike Brian, you thought our podcast was really great, then don't hold back, like, subscribe, and tell your mate. But if, like Brian, you thought our podcast wasn't fun, then just keep quiet, don't feel the need to tell anyone. We'd love to hear from you if you've got some thoughts to share. Such rich and lovely views that all should be aware of. But I hope you liked our podcast and you thought it was really great. And if you did, like, subscribe and tell your mate. Cause we don't need grumpy pants bringing everybody down, no We don't need negative Nellies making people frown, no So I hope you liked our podcast and you thought it was really great And if you did, like, subscribe and tell your mate